going to jump into our series. And we're in our last week of our series that we've called Act Justly. Now, this whole time, we've been talking about how the pursuit of justice isn't just something that's happening in the midst of our cultural moment. It's not, we're not talking about this just because of everything that's happening in the media. We're talking about this because this is a biblical call. This is God's call that we all have um, on our lives. For those who follow him, this should be sort of the heartbeat of who we are to seek justice and pursue justice. Now, if you missed any of the sermons that we've talked so far about justice, you can look them up at Clark clarksburgchurch.com slash sermons, and I encourage you to check those out. But so far, we've talked about freedom, and we've talked about um, being united in the pursuit of justice. We've talked about the law and our hearts and, and what role each of those play on this pursuit of justice. We've also talked about money and how that is, is a part of this whole thing. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to show you a quick video. It's a video from the Bible Project, and it's on the topic and the theme of biblical justice throughout the whole thing. I thought that many of the topics that we have talked about actually come up in this video, so I wanted to do something fun with it. I thought that if you were here in the parking lot, if you hear something that we've talked about in a previous conversation about justice, I want you to give me a yeah or a yep or a amen, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. And then if you're online, what I want you to do is I want you to hit one of the emoji buttons. You can do the smiley face or the heart one or whatever, but just hit some of those emoji buttons if you hear a word or a phrase or part of a topic that we have covered so far in this series. So check it out. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. 
Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. All right. So hey, this is John and Tim from the Bible Project. I Thanks for watching this video. Were... This was a theme video where we take one biblical motif. 
Okay, so I hope that that was helpful for you and a good review. Again, that was from thebibleproject.com, and they have tons of resources there that walk through themes of theology as well as break down Bible, um, books of the Bible, in order to make them really helpful to understand. And so I'd encourage you, if you've never experienced the Bible Project, if you've never gone there, to check it out. It really, really is a great, great resources. But what we're reminded of in that video so clearly is that justice really is at the center of the gospel. It's core to the gospel. And so followers of Christ have been trans- that have been transformed by the gospel message know that, that they are supposed to follow Christ in repairing the relationship that God had, that the relationships that are here in this world, not because you've done anything right, but because Jesus has done everything for you. And so the question that we have at the end of the series is kind of like, where do we go from here? What do we do now? What are some practical steps that we can actually take in order to pursue justice in the worlds that we live in, in the places that we inhabit? Now, I know that there are many of you in our congregation who are trying to figure out how to do that because actually I've had conversations with you about it. I've had conversations with you where you're trying to figure out what do I do? What are the next steps? What are within my realm? What are the resources that I have that I could put into place? In fact, there was a group of people that are a part of our church that have begun this journey um, this past week in the Act Justly workshop that we're doing. It's this six-week workshop where we're kind of looking at and coaching each other on what do we do? What are the next steps? But also looking at us as a congregation and trying to understand what is our congregation being called to? Where is God leading our congregation to all together with all of our hands involved um, try to seek justice? Now, as a congregation, there are actually already many ways that we are seeking justice in our city and and, in our community. And, And we're doing things already to try to care for the most vulnerable in these spaces. And so I just wanted to make sure that you knew them, that you were aware that we are trying to look at others as image bearers of God and care for them as such. Um, Two of the ways that we most frequently talk about it and the most frequently we engage with is actually with the Clarksburg Free Little Pantry and Clarksburg Can. Both of those are food resources that are available to those who are struggling with food insecurity. Um, The pantry is actually located in our parking lot, and it's a 24-7 access to uh, food. It's an emergency assistance, access to perishable items where people can come and just get a meal or two as they need it. It's right here in our parking lot. And then Clarksburg Can uh, is a pantry that's actually located at Green Ridge Baptist Church that offers two or a week's worth of groceries or two weeks' worth of groceries at scheduled times. And we are huge supporters of both of those um, ministries and both of those things that are happening in our community. But we also seek justice for the incarcerated. Um, We are involved with an organization called Jobs Partnership that's actually led by one of our congregants. um, And it actually mentors uh, people that are incarcerated in the Montgomery County Correctional Facility that's just right up the road. Um, Volunteers for that program go into the jail and they mentor men and women Uh, with resume building and job skills training and interview training in order to help them learn, all right, how do I get a job when I leave this place? How do I go forth in a life that I can, where I can thrive? 
um, it gives them a brighter hope and and uh, and and a future upon being released. We also partner with an organization called Faith Connections, which is a network of churches that come together and try to support people in our community who need help with utilities or rental assistance. We host the 5K Orchard Run, um, which at first glance might just seem like all fun and games, but actually it's really really key in trying to help find grassroots organizations and grassroots groups that we can sort of shine the spotlight on and make sure that other people know about what is happening and the work that they're trying to do. It gives them an opportunity to tell their story and it also creates some monetary resources for them because all of the profits from the race go to their organizations to help them with the projects that they have begun. Um, actually, um, uh, Clarksburg Free Little Pantry has been, and Jobs Partnership, have been recipients of that race. The newest effort that we have in justice, uh, in, in our justice work is actually the Vulnerable Children's Network. It's one of our newest partners, and it actually focuses on the most vulnerable in our community. We're working with Montgomery County's uh, Child Welfare Services in order to support those uh, foster care families as well as biological families that need additional support and resources in order to remain intact. And if you are interested in getting involved in any of those organizations, please reach out to us. We would love to connect you with them. They really are doing great work. But here's the thing. I just get this sense that God isn't done guiding us and directing us and leading us in order to seek justice in our local and global community. And I really don't know what the future holds, but I really do think that it could mean that the grassy area in front of the church might one day become a place for high school students in the area who really have nowhere to go to come and hang out? What if we created that into a community space? Could it be that these back four acres behind these woods turn into affordable housing for people that work in our community that actually are teachers and construction workers and childcare workers that can't afford the price point of this area? What if we could do that and offer that for people, a way for people to work and live in the same community? Could this congregation become a group of people who who are uh, who come around those who are struggling to make ends meet not just in helping them with food and tangible resources but actually helping them find the education and financial training that they may need in order to take charge of their lives and change the course of their life could this congregation become a group of people who embrace others regardless of their language their nationality their record their socioeconomic status their education and just embrace them to be loved and cared for and belong as an image bearer of God. Now, I'd love if what you could do right now, whether you're here in the parking lot or you're on virtual space, is to just turn to one another and say, yeah, hey, maybe this place could be. Maybe this place could be a place where God does something big. And if you have a thought in your mind of, hey, maybe he could take care of, of uh, people who are stuck in the, in the trafficking industry, maybe it could be a place. And just turn to one another here and do that or online if you want to drop it in the comments and let us know. How could you imagine God using this place to be a place of justice? So do that right now. All right, I didn't get to see the comments that you guys put on Facebook, but I know here in the parking lot, there were some great ideas that were being generated. And actually, I want to talk to some of you about that in a second. Um, but isn't it exciting that God's not done? 
Like that wherever it is that we are and whatever it is that we're currently involved in, God is not done working in our communities. He is still a God that is on the move to bring fairness and justice and, and repair to those in our communities and those in the world. And how is how exciting is it that we as a congregation get to seek justice in these areas and then point them to Jesus and say, he's the reason and he's the one and he's the one that brings ultimate freedom. It's all because of him. Um, but it's not just as a congregation that we seek justice. It's also as individuals. So we, there are things that we band together and we do this together because it requires a lot of heavy lifting. But there's also ways that we seek justice in our individual lives as well. Individually, every single one of us has been sent to the specific locations that we are, that we are placed in. You are at, you're in your neighborhood for a reason. You're at your job for a reason. You are friends with the people that you're friends with for a reason and your family, as much as they may drive you bananas, you are with them for a purpose and a reason. You have been sent to them so that they too might experience the freedom and the justice and the belonging that God has. In fact, Jesus tells us at the end of the book of John, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You have been sent to those places. Now, in order to understand how it is that the Father has sent Jesus, how the Father has sent Jesus, so that we might understand how we then are being sent, we actually have to look at the beginning of the book of John. John says this, the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. That is how Jesus was sent. Now, my favorite translation of that or my favorite wording for that actually comes from the message. And it says this, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved in to the neighborhood. That's how Jesus was sent. He became flesh and blood. He became vulnerable and he moved in to the neighborhood. And so as Jesus has been sent, we too are being sent. We are being called as followers of Christ to become like Christ to those we have been sent to dwell among them, to move into the neighborhood. Now, the interesting thing is that the idea of dwelling among people to which you have been sent doesn't just mean that you live in close proximity with them. It doesn't just mean that you share a house with them or you sit at the dining room table with them. It doesn't mean that you're next door to them or the cubicle over. It actually is so much more than that. Instead, what it means is that you take on flesh and blood and you dwell with them. When Jesus dwelt among us and moved into the neighborhood, he felt all the things that we feel. The good and the bad. Jesus spent time with people. He ate with them. He walked with them. He played with them. He fed them. He knew their hurts and their pains. He didn't stay an arm distance away. Instead, he engaged and he talked with them. He knew what was important to them and he knew what they needed. Now, sometimes we get into these habits and these routines and these rhythms in life where we just sort of arrive home or we arrive at work. Or if you're in a digital workspace, you just arrive in your digital workspace and you're just there without actually dwelling there, without actually living there in the same way that Jesus moved in. And the first step for us 
doing that for us moving into the neighborhood is actually getting to know the people that are around us, understanding what's oppressing them, what's holding them back, what's keeping them in bondage. We need to be people who dig into the relationships with those around us, not just walk alongside of them, but walk alongside of them long enough to love them and care for them and to seek fairness and justice to take on their problems as our own problems. Now, the best story that I know that sort of illustrates this and demonstrates this, and it's really at the center of our mission as a church, is the story Jesus tells us of the Good Samaritan. The essence of this story is that there's a man who was on a journey and on this journey he winds up falling into the hands of robbers and he is beaten and attacked and left by the side of the road for dead. And as he's lying there on the side of the road, there are two religious people that sort of come by. And I'm sure that these religious people, they went to church and they paid their tithes. And you know what? They probably tuned in every single week online to watch whatever virtual thing there was. (laughs) They did it all. They followed all of the laws. And yet when they came to this man who was bloodied and beaten, they sort of looked at him and said, not my problem. I didn't do it. Either the person who did it needs to come back and make it right, or this person needs to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and figure it out on their own. And they walked right on by. They were in the same space as this hurting man, but they didn't dwell with him. But then a Samaritan comes along, a guy who was a part of a totally different ethnic group, a totally different religious group. He comes by and he's the one who stops. He's the one who binds up the man's wounds. He's the one who places him on his very own donkey and and sort of lowers himself to walk when he could have ridden because he owned the donkey after all. He puts him on his donkey and he takes him to the inn and he pays the price for him to be taken care of. He repairs what had been broken, even though he wasn't the one who broke it. Now, notice that the Samaritan didn't just see the hurt man and demand that restoration and repair happen. He didn't just go to the government and say, you need to fix it. He didn't just go to the church and say, you need to fix it. Instead, what he did was he himself took care of it. Because acting justly is doing what the Samaritan did. It's paying attention to the situations that we are right in the middle of. Paying attention to where something is broken, where something's missing, where something's inequitable. What is right around us and using whatever we have at our disposal, whatever resources we have, whatever talents we have to make it right. Now, maybe for you, that means uh, donating something that addresses the issue of inequality and justice, injustice. Maybe that means you need to start working to change certain policies or practices or laws that are inequitable. Maybe that means investing a little extra time or money or extra expertise for someone who's hurting or who's disadvantaged or undeserving. Maybe it's asking forgiveness for someone who has hurt you or maybe it's extending forgiveness for someone who you have hurt, who has hurt you. 
But whatever it is, don't wait to be the good Samaritan. Don't wait for the good Samaritan to come along. You are the good Samaritan. The Samaritan had a donkey and some bandages and a few coins. And he used all of those things in order to work on restoration and repair. And so what is it that you have? What is it that you have to bring about restoration and re- repair? What, whatever it is, use it. Use it. Don't ever think that it's too little or not enough. Use it because you can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this broken and unjust world. And here's the thing. Not only do I imagine us as a congregation, as a church, that that brings justice to our neighbors and our city and our world. But I imagine us as individuals being people that use whatever gifts and talents and resources we have to pursue justice in the place that we, places that we live, work, and play. And I can't wait to see how God shows up and how God leads us in our lives, how God sends us in our lives. And so will you pray with me as we ask this Heavenly Father to give us wisdom and guidance through the Holy Spirit. Father God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that you don't ask us to do this alone. First, you transform us through Jesus, your Son. You come alongside of us and you take away our hearts of stone and you give us hearts of flesh. You empower us with the Holy Spirit. But even more than that, you continue to lead us. You continue to guide us. So we ask that you would. We ask that you would open our eyes, both as a church and as individuals, to see what it is that you are doing in our lives. Would you open our eyes to the pain and the suffering that is right around us, to the places that injustice is occurring? Father God, would you empower us to do something about it? Would you allow us to open our hands and hold less tight to the resources that are ours, that have been given to us, and that we would open our hands and use those for your purposes? We pray all of these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.